0: Graham Sutherland, Warwick's town crier. Thousands of visitors come here every year. Warwick Castle, with its many live events, is a huge draw. But uh, don't forget the town itself. You'd be missing a treat if you don't look outside the castle walls. Uh, History remembers the Great Fire of London. But catastrophic fires shape many of our towns. And as you walk round Warwick, you'll notice that much of the architecture is Georgian. And that's thanks to their great fire at the end of the 17th century.
1: But when you look at narrow streets, these timber frame buildings, thatch roofs, prevailing winds, plus the fact you need fire for light, heating, cooking, business purposes, it's, it's a disaster waiting to happen.
0: Graham is one of our guides today, with his wife Mo. They're both blue badge guides for the town. You'll find maps available at the Tourist Information Office, including a comprehensive town trail, and that's in the courthouse at the junction of Jury and Castle Street. We've decided to start on the southern edge of town, on the bridge over the River Avon. This one dates from 1793, built at the instigation of the then Earl of Warwick, who wanted to move the comings and goings of the peasantry away from his castle. It's quite a sight, actually. Oh, it
1: really is. Uh, I think it's one of the finest views you can get anywhere. Apart from the castle in the background, you've also got some of the ruined bits of the old bridge right in the foreground.
2: And looking at it from here, you can understand why the Lord wanted to move the bridge, because it is extremely close to his castle. And if he'd got ruffians or peasants close, uh, well, who would want those so near?
0: This is one of the noisiest parts of the walk, as it's on the main road to Banbury. looks much more peaceful there, a few hundred yards along the river towards the castle. So we're heading up the Banbury Road into town, and then taking a left into Mill Street, a cobbled street that takes us towards the huge walls of Warwick Castle.
1: This is the, the southern approach into the town, and the big tower we've got in front of us now is Caesar's Tower. Nothing whatsoever to do with Julius Caesar, but the the Victorians thought it sounded so much better to give it this rather posh, romantic type of name.
0: The old bridge, what remains of it, can be seen from the Mill Garden. At the bottom of Mill Street, open April to October for a small entrance fee, Uh, Julia Russell is showing us round, and um, there are plenty of surprises, like the stocks. Not the night-scented variety, but the town's old gnarled wooden stocks... (laughs) just
3: sitting here, complete with rusty padlocks. Of course, children love them, so they want to be photographed in there. Oh, yeah. That's very popular.
1: If you sit in one of those for any really length of time, your body's actually at right angles, and they are incredibly uncomfortable. And I think because this was the southern entrance into the town, you tended to punish your malefactors in the entrances to the town mm. so that people coming into the town could see what would happen to them if they misbehaved mm. And other people would say, "Oh, this is a safe town to come to." Hence, why the old Westgate Arch used to be the hanging gate. That's where they hang the malefactors. So, you were you came into one like, "Oh, look, this is a safe town to be." And look what they do to people who step out of line. So,
0: but how how did they work? Did, was that for two people?
1: Yeah, Usually for two. For two people. People. Yeah. And in
0: actual fact, Moe's going to demonstrate. Only the feet. Oh, it's the feet. I thought it was yeah. the hands. No, no, uh...
1: no. That was the pillory where you have the hands and the head. The joy with these is that if you're sat there and somebody throws something at you, you can throw it back. But if you're in the pillory, that's the one where you've got your hands and your face, head there. So anyone can come along with a dead cat and rub it on your face and there's nothing you can do about it.
0: <laughs> Time to move on, I think. Arthur Measures fell in love with this garden back in the 1930s. Thought it was a great place to bring up his children. He designed and he planted it and today his daughter Julia and her husband David Russell lovingly maintain it and it's from here you can get that close-up look at what remains of the old bridge. You couldn't choose a a lovelier position for a garden under the walls of Warwick Castle
3: with the river running by. And an old mill, an old corn mill, it's amazing location. My father designed it so that you couldn't see everything. You had to go round a corner and round a bend to get another vista. It's very cottagey in its feel. We try to keep it like a cottage garden. And the other idea that my father had was it doesn't matter what sort of plant you use, whether it's wild or a very common cottage garden or an unusual plant, he wanted the general effect to to sort of frame these amazing views of the castle and the river and the old bridge. While
0: well, we've been talking, we've been looking uh, into the garden towards the uh, towards the
3: castle, but, yeah. but if you look the other way, you've got the, the river, river. And, yeah. and... And wildflowers. And so as a child, my passion was wildflowers. I spent every spare hour looking them up. And so it's a delight for me to be able to let nature bring the seeds down the river and plant them and... Keep them if I possibly can. If they're really a scourge, might remove them. And it's amazing how many are coming back actually, of varieties uh, that I remember as a child. And they've just appeared. You haven't yes. put them there. Yes. And um, you've got the. You've got, I'm trying to think what it's called. but The giant gunnera. The giant gunnera. That From, must love it there with its feet it, in the it's river. It's very happy. And luckily, David loves working with big things. And we cut off leaves as they begin to block the paths and so on. In the winter. When actually there are less people in the castle going into the old mill, you see straight through there. But in the summer, it helps to keep the garden secluded to have a green barrier from the thousands of people that are walking through the mill in the castle. Because
0: you can, the other thing that you will be able to hear, of course, is the, is the sound of the water, which is the mill flow, I suppose. Yes, the
3: we are, that was built especially when to provide a stream of water for the mill. And the sound of the water makes the garden very peaceful and cuts out a lot of traffic noise or people noise. Um, And my, my father's big hope was that people could come and sit in the garden as a place of peace and beauty to perhaps regain some equilibrium and calmness and a little bit of peace in a very difficult world. Tempting though it is to spend a lot longer here in the garden,
0: I think it's about time we uh, got moving. We're going to cut across the park, so uh, we need to go back up Mill Street, take a right turn back down the Bambury Road and then if you can find a break in the traffic, cross to walk
1: through the formality of... St Nicholas Park and it's a mixture of formal flower beds as we can see on our right and as we move forward into it a little bit more, we've got a lot of a- uh, attractions for children train rides, paddling pools, swings and it's very very popular in the summer
0: trains every 15 minutes Mm -hmm. children never change they always (laughs) love that
1: (laughs) I can remember going on the predecessor here when I was a a lad
0: (laughs) not a bad place for an ice cream either the next stop is the St John's House Museum and to get there we need to bare left, cut through the car park and search out a little footpath on the far side with a brook on our right and allotments on our left. We come through a, an iron gate and, and this is it, isn't this it? This is it,
1: this is St John's Museum. The downstairs is the museum. The first floor is the museum for the old Royal Warwickshire Regiment. So that's very much a military one.
0: It's an ancient building in its own right
1: oh, by the look of it. I think this goes back to the early 1600s.
0: I'm beginning to think you need more than one day in Warwick
2: to do it, it can properly be that way. Museums in Warwick are very user friendly, very children friendly. They entertain parties of school children by prior arrangement. And the girls are put into long white pinafores and the boy in sailor suit collars and so on. They come out and do drill on the grass and the teacher turns up in a long black skirt normally and has a big stick and they do copper plate writing, copied off the blackboard and just for them to get the feel of what it was like in those days. They love it.
1: The thing to bear in mind with all our museums at the moment is that at the moment they don't open on a Monday.
0: But if it's not Monday... It's well worth a look round here before heading out. On to St John's, turning left, we're going back up into town across the little double zebra crossings and heading on up Smith Street to the East Gate Arch at the top of the hill.
1: You can see it's got an archway underneath it. That's because until 1905, the old open-top horse-drawn trams used to go underneath. And then after that, when it all went electric, this lot on the side that had to be opened up to allow the big rattling electric trams to come through.
0: So it had its own had tram system here, didn't it?
1: Very much so, between here and Leamington.
0: Oh, yes. So the tram used to come between the building that has the Smith Street side That's on right.
1: It. And then one day in 1916, we had Warwick's runaway tram. The tram was parked up outside the Warwick Arms Hotel up in High Street, and the conductress thought the driver was on board, so she released the brake. And as the tram began to accelerate, while a hill town, we think as the, the tram began to pick up speed and she could see this little figure running after the tram, she realised the driver wasn't on board. You had a bit of a curve in the rails to come round there and he just couldn't take it. The tram just went off and crashed into the pub. No-one was really hurt. The mirror behind the bar wasn't even cracked and the clock in the pub carried on ticking.
0: <laughs> no, so, no pub there at the
1: moment, though? No, it's long since been gone from there. <laughs>
0: Now just behind us there's a rather fine-looking house and there's a story to that too.
1: This is a house where Walter Savage Landor, a, an early 19th century poet, was born in the late 18th century. It's a superb house. It had a, this great big facelift on it in 1692, just a matter of months before the fire. And uh, the owner of the house at the time very kindly had his neighbour's house demolished to act as a fire break. The only problem was that the fire didn't come anywhere near the house that was demolished. And so I think the legal eagles of the day made a lot of money out of the subsequent court case.
0: If we go up through the arch, we're going to take a right turn, and that takes us on to the Butts. Then you're looking out on the other side of the road, just after a little side junction. You'll find a wrought iron gate, and that leads you into a little passageway.
1: And this is known as the Tinker Tank. The Tinker Tank. The Tinker Tank. All sorts of suggestions as to why it was called that. Some people say it was the hobnail, hobnail boots that echoed. Mo will tell you it was the metal patterns on the, la- on the lady's shoes, echoing. But the story I've been told is, no, this leads into St Mary's Churchyard, and in years gone by, you would go to church to thank God and think about God. That then got changed to go to church to think and thank and corrupted to Tinker Tank.
0: I like all of so those, in fact. Anyone
1: could be... Uh, <laughs> it certainly does echo
0: down here. You can. Oh, yes. We're moving away from the road, but you can still hear the traffic. Yeah. Ah, just come round the corner, and of course it suddenly goes quiet, which that's is nice. lovely. Once again, we're in virtual silence, having just walked 50 is, yards. Yeah.
1: I think that's one of the joys in the attractions. It's, nothing is always quite as it seems. When we do our walks, quite often we have locals who didn't know these places existed. So
0: that's the pure joy of coming out on on a walk with with somebody like you, who really knows it inside out.
1: The old church that stood here before was destroyed in the fire of 1694. So this is very much a late 17th, early 18th century church. And we will go inside. Just from the outside, it's got uh, quite a lot of its own striking features.
0: Very unusual windows, aren't they?
1: We're sort of in the era where you're still looking perhaps on ornate smacks of Roman Catholicism, so you're trying to keep a steadier line, get away from that. Plus the fact, I think, we're not then into the age of the 19th century with the great stained-glass revivalists. That yeah.
0: Yeah, so it's just in between.
2: That's yes, right. That, yes, that makes Which a lot makes of it, sense.
1: Which makes it a fascinating church.
2: Christopher Wren was amongst others who were invited to tender to make a drawing at plans for the new church, but his, along with several others, were not chosen.
1: But the original idea for the architect had been to have the tower as part and parcel of the main body of the church. But he hadn't got his sums quite right, and it was too heavy, so he started to crack the pillars. So he appealed for help, and Christopher Wren's Master Mason, I think it was Valentine Strong, came down and helped him out. So we've got a Wren-influenced church, but not a Wren church as such.
0: <laughs> so the tower is now at the front, and it acts almost like a porch, and it's a large church. We're going to make our way down the left-hand side of the nave to a chapel where there's some ornate stained glass.
1: We've talked about stained glass outside, but well, this is quite a very much local stained glass with the old Warwicka Regiment. This is the, the regimental chapel. So with all the regimental banners that are left.
0: Going back away, I going should Going back.
1: Think. I think, I forget now when the regiment was formed, but initially it was the... 6th Regiment of Foot so it gives you some idea it's been around for quite a long time.
0: Yes, that's that's a, a, a proper stained glass window with, oh, yes. with, with military that's right. in their red coats the on red the coats. lower they end. They
1: always had yellow facings too the, the Warwickses did just sort of break it up a little bit and certainly by the look at the style of uniform on that side it's very much uh, late 17th century. The name may ring a bell John Enoch Powell mm-hmm. he was uh, a member of the the Royal Warwickshire Regiment, he came in at private and ended up as brigadier. And whenever the regiment had a reunion here, he would always come.
0: So he has his plaque on the wall with has his plaque on the wall many and, others, and he's
1: actually buried at, at Warwick Cemetery, not in the churchyard, but just a little out of town. And the other banner we've got up here, the blue one,
0: just outside the chapel.
1: Yes. Yeah, that's Montgomery's, Montgomery of Alamein. Yeah.
0: Further down the aisle, above the steps, down to the undercroft, there's another plaque to a name you suddenly won't know: Mary Home, housekeeper of Warwick Castle. What a wonderful, wonderful yes. memory to and somebody. And how nice
2: they gave her one, because she was only a servant at the end of the day. But she's remembered.
0: Gosh, well I love the wording. She died at the protracted age of ninety-three years in remember. 1834. <laughs> No, that is that is very unusual, isn't it? You mm. tend to think of of plaques in churches to be to the great and the good. Yes, that's, uh, very touching. Mm. Mm-hmm. The most impressive chapel and the oldest part of the church uh, runs parallel to the chancel on the right hand side of the church, the Beecham Chapel. It did survive
2: the fire because they even then realised the importance of it and how tragic it would be if it was completely destroyed. So this was the one bit that they really, really fought to keep. The tombs, which are the joy, the beauty of it, the jewels of it, have been saved and saved now for posterity.
0: They are remarkable, aren't they? They're quite spookily lifelike. Mm. And, And to have Robert Dudley's effigy here, well his tomb. Is. Yes, yeah. What was his link with, with Warwick?
2: He asked Queen Elizabeth, whose favourite he was, if he could have the Lord Leicester Hospital as a home for his old soldiers of the regiment, to which she was quite happy to agree um, and the old soldiers in fact have used it ever since in retirement. He, in fact, didn't spend a lot of time here himself. He was far too busy dancing attendance on the Queen, which was rather sad for his wife. But she was a goodly wife. She gave him a beautiful tomb when he died, even though she'd been woefully neglected in life. But when she died, she had herself laid an effigy alongside him, but two inches higher. Good for her.
1: Absolutely. His brother was Earl of Warwick, which rather helped when he wanted the what is now the Lord Leicester Hospital...
0: Yes, it could could have come in useful. Do you think that so looks like him? Because so. he was supposed to be, what did Elizabeth call him, the most beautiful man in England?
1: And oh
0: yes. Yes, I could see he's got he's got quite a appealing eyes. Noble face. Noble face.
1: But <laughs> so this is the one who we're named after. This is Richard Richard Beecham, Earl of Warwick. He was the one responsible for the overseeing of the trial and execution of Joan of Arc during the Hundred Years' War. And It does seem that towards the end of his life he 's really worrying, concerned about the hereafter, because he has this superb chapel built complete with a doom painting on the, on the back there. what will happen to you if you go to hell and damnation and perdition. But if you look at the way he 's there with his hands glass, if you can follow the line of his eyes it 's straight up to the ceiling there to an effigy of the Virgin Mary.
0: And he's, I don't know, is he? but he's, he's in full armour, isn't yep. he? It's a, and in medieval times, he would have been covered up with a kind of pall. He died in 1439. It was already an ancient monument when the fire oh, yes. happened, yes. wasn't it? Yep.
1: And if you look at the stained glass window at the top, you can see some of them entail um, sheets of music. Yep. And from time to time, there are services held in here where that music is used.
0: It makes you wonder what... If the fire hadn't happened, what else might still be here? That's
1: right. Amazing. You know, it's like we try and say, yes, the castle is one thing, but there's so much more here in Warwick. Do come and have a look and find it.
0: So as we leave the church, we take a left down Church Street.
1: Because at the bottom of Church Street is... It's, it's, it doubles up at the moment as the headquarters for Warwick Town Council and currently the Tourist Information Centre, which you'll see if you look over the main doorway, you've got a statue of justice up there, blindfolded, holding the scales and the sword. The reason she's there is that up until the mid-1970s, that was where the town's magistrate court used to be held. So it's always known as the courthouse, and it's still known as the courthouse not to be confused with the Crown Court, as are the other side of the church.
0: <laughs> right. But well, it's in Jury Street, so, I mean, that makes sense
1: right, as it does well. as well. Except
0: that the
2: word Jury is a corruption of J-E-W-R-Y because it, that was the street where the Jews lived. Oh! It, there everything you go. It's not, it's, straightforward it's not as, as straightforward appear. as you
1: think, is it? <laughs> Turn right now up into High Street. And back to the noise again, I'm afraid. And it's just up here on the left... You'll see the Warwick Arms, which is where the tram ran away from in 1916. So looking down towards the East Gate, you get some idea of the gradient, and uh, yes, a heavy tram would have started to accelerate quite a bit. (laughs) Well, certainly the the driver couldn't catch it running. It's not recorded if the conductress kept her job or not. Every now and again you get these very small buildings, and then you get the great grandiose ones around, and certainly High Street was much more of a residential street in the 18th and 19th century.
0: And another church ahead of us at the end of the street. Oh, this
1: is the Westgate. This is the, and the chapel, this would be over and attached to the Lord Leicester Hospital, which is where we're going to next.
0: It looks as though it's a very, very old building, and it's quite unbelievable. It's standing up. I, would say.
1: I think that amazes everybody, especially with the amount of traffic that goes by, but goes back to something like the 1470s when it was built so it has to rate as one of the oldest buildings we've got in the town and initially up until the middle part of the 16th century the main part of it on the right hand side that used to house the religious guilds for Warwick religious Roman Catholic this is the time of Henry VIII and the guild master Thomas Oaken of whom the town is immensely proud and still benefits today Realised which way the wind was blowing. Henry VIII was changing religion, Anglicanism was coming in, and his ministers and his henchmen, his troop, whatever you want to call them, under the direct control of Thomas Cromwell, were going out seizing the Catholic assets. But Oaken realised what was happening, and so he sold off the Guildhall to the town council of the day. So there was nothing for Henry to catch. (laughs) Very
0: clever. Um, We we saw Robert Dudley's tomb a little earlier on uh, he was the next person to be associated with it
1: he was and where henry men had failed robert dudley succeeded granted we're into a different queen but dudley big favorite of queen elizabeth I, his brother was the then earl of warwick and dudley is looking for somewhere to house 12 of his old retired retainers so hospital really meaning hostel not hospital as we know it today he saw this building and thought that's the one i want He put a suggestion to the town council, who had two choices. They either agreed and got the best deal they could out of it, or they said no and would still lose it. So they arranged and managed to get the best deal out of it they could.
0: They've still got
2: pensioners there. It's still self-supporting. Visitors who go pay an amount to go in but also are generous and there are wills left in their favour and so on and so forth. But basically it, it holds its own, it does lovely teas good place for a snack or a lunch or whatever and in the evening and also at weekends it'll host dinners banquets weddings receptions and so on it is just such a pretty setting used quite frequently by companies for television and films uh, because it's the genuine thing uh, we've had mole flanders for film there we've had tom jones
1: dr who last year yeah.
2: And
0: and it still has its pensioners there.
2: Indeed, yes. The nice thing is that they can stay there till they die, and they're all there with their ladies, with their wives, although if the gentleman dies first, the wife is found somewhere else appropriate within the town so that the flat can then be let to a couple. However, it raises an interesting problem. Now with ladies in the regiments, what when an old lady retires does she get a uh, flat in her own right? Yeah,
1: well, <laughs> Watch this <laughs> face, there's the thought.
0: <laughs> and, it ha- and it has on, on the, very prominently on show, the bear and ragged staff, which is Warwickshire's... Oh, no, is it Warwick or Warwickshire's emblem? It's
1: Warwickshire. Going back to about the 1880s, it was the coat of arms for the Earl of Warwick, and the Earl of the Day, this is the time when county councils are being formed, generously allowed Warwickshire County to adopt his bear and ragged staff as their coat of arms.
0: Just past the West Gate, we're going to turn right into Bowling Green Street and then it's a left to find Hill Close Gardens. An
2: undiscovered jewel. But locals were aware they were there, but because they were behind high, crumbling walls, it was a bit like Noel Stretfield's Secret Garden. It was difficult to get in, it was all overgrown, it was a mass of... You almost expected to find a sleeping princess inside when the prince finally got in. But eventually... People grasped the nettles literally and assailed it and rediscovered to their joy what the Warwick gardens were like possibly 150 years ago. People who lived in town, who had very little garden space, but who wanted their own little space, and so they came and gardened. It was pretty, or they grew vegetables, or they built themselves a little summer house and could come and enjoy it. So they were like private allotments
0: in a way? Yes. yes.
1: Just trying to so they imagine going back into the perhaps the middle part of the 19th century where the family come down for the afternoon, bring their picnic in a hamper, and Dad's probably still there in his collar and tie and jacket and hat because he wasn't really the done thing to take it off and he'd still have his waistcoat on. And you have the advantage, too, that you overlook Warwick Racecourse, which has been on the go now for just over 300 years. And granted, you can't see it all from here, but you could sort of in those days just enjoy the atmosphere. So,
0: so in fact, it was almost a bit like... um... Doing your duty on a Sunday afternoon but having the telly on in the background to, That's see, the, to right. see the racing. That's
1: right. <laughs> racing on the Sabbath. Come, come, come. go. On a Saturday. On a on a Saturday.
0: <laughs> From Hill Close Gardens, it's a case of retracing our steps. We're heading up towards the car park and bus station and over to Market Street and to the Warwickshire Museum and Market Hall, guarded just inside the front door by a rather large representative of the Warwickshire emblem. A rather large bear.
2: He used to stand at the entrance hall to a building about five miles from here called Roxall Abbey. He was in their vestibule and that was where you put your visiting card when you called.
0: In his hand?
2: Of course. <laughs> of course.
0: <laughs> right, so we've walked round the back of the museum into into the market yeah. square. Um, is there a market here?
1: Every Saturday and sometimes on the Friday there'll be a French market and or a farmer's market. We've actually stopped here alongside Randolph Adolphus Turpin. So if anyone is interested in boxing, this is the, the well-known Leamington Licker, as he was known as, uh, in particular after he defeated Sugar Ray Robinson way back in the 50s, if I remember the correct date. Um, he lived some of his time in Lemington, lived some of his time in Warwick. And when the statue became available in 2001, it was offered to Lemington and said, no, we don't want it. So we said, yes, please, can we have him in Warwick? So here he is.
0: A bit bigger than (laughs) life-size. Well, Possibly, I don't don't know. Perhaps he was a big lad.
1: I don't think you'd want to mix it with him, anyway.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, our next stop is on Barrack Street, and you can get there by continuing up the side of the square, turning left and then right. Just past the library, on the other side of the road, you're looking out for a pair of innocuous Mm. chain-links on the wall. The bit where
2: there are red bricks built is from where a staging would have been built out, for the scaffold because the prisoners who were sentenced to death were brought here to be hanged and such was the interest and the goriness in watching a good hanging and listening to their last eloquent words that people would come from miles around to watch.
0: So we would
3: be... Hence, well, we'd be,
2: we'd be inside the we'd chains be here inside, now. So yes. I imagine it also served to keep back anyone who might have tried to rescue the unfortunate person on the scaffold. And they've since
0: bricked in that that arch yes yes mm. this is the back of, of, the, of the of the what is still the court oh, the yes
1: yes, that, yes that's right yes, yes. and they would say they were still hanged here till the eight, about 1861 when the prison moved out of the other side of warwick and then in 1868 public executions finished private executions still for another hundred odd years but publicly no they would finished
0: And we're on the trail of more grim memories of our judicial system in years gone by. You want to turn right at the end of Barrack Street. And then, if you're lucky, if you're here on a weekday, you can get in through the wrought Iron Gates a few yards down. Uh, That takes you into the courtyard, which is actually part of the modern-day courts. And make your way to the mound, just over on the left-hand side.
1: Have a look down.
0: It's it's on the left-hand side as you come through the gates. And it looks as though it's going to be a well or something. But it's...
2: All dank and damp and mildewed and nasty. A big round room with a centre ridge to which they were manacled or tethered. Men, women, children who had to rely on their friends or relations to drop them food down. Now, if you were a six-year-old standing next to a six-foot man, what chance did you have of getting any food? Probably
0: very little, Oh, so this grill isn't on for, to give them light and air. It is so that they could have access to, yes. to food. and Yes, yes. And, and what sort of era is this?
1: Well, it was right up and certainly until the... It was in the 18th century, because John Howard came round and with Elizabeth Fry, and they were quite scandalised at what they saw here, but said it wasn't as bad as some prisons they'd been to. You'd only have somewhere like here or the other prison buildings around... In the era we're talking about, up until the 1860s, that's when you you had a short prison sentence, you were hanged or you were transported. But with transportation finishing in 1860, just about everybody's prison wasn't big enough. This led to the big rush of prison building going on because you could no longer transport them over the water, so you were giving five, six, seven-year sentences. You had to have somewhere to put them. You couldn't keep them in somewhere like that. The old prison that was around was nowhere near big enough, so this led to the building of other prisons.
0: And on that rather gruesome note, we complete our walk in Warwick and we've only touched the surface. My thanks to Graham and Moe Sutherland and also to Julia Russell. Uh, Graham and Moe are a mine of fascinating stories and information. and As blue badge guides, they regularly take groups around the town. There are details of how you can book them at the Tourist Information Centre. And www.shakespearecountry.co.uk is packed full of information about places to visit across South Warwickshire. Talk in the Walk is a podcast production funded by Warwickshire County Council with the support of Warwick Town Centre Management for Shakespeare Country.